welcome to Functional Design Enclosure. I am Nate Jones. And I'm Christoph Newman. Each week, we discuss a software design problem and how we might solve it using functional principles and the Closure programming language. So Christoph, what's on your mind this week? Well, so last week we left off with imperative mud, I think is what I would call it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We were we were trying to post to Twitter, but we had this we had this fun dance between Twitter, the database, all the things that can go wrong, right? And so you, you, we just end up with more and more nested logic. Yes, IO right? IO logic, IO logic, IO logic. Yes. We yes. So yeah, let's let's reach into the database and let's see what what is the next thing we want to post and what's the last thing we posted. Okay, so IO. Okay, now let's look at that and let's figure out, well, what should we do next? You know, nothing because it's not time to post yet. Or I don't fetch fetch from Twitter, right? And fetch everything that we've posted up until now uh, from the last thing, you know, and then okay, so then do IO and then look at all that and go, okay. Have we posted this thing already and we just, it didn't get written down, you know, or, or do we need to, oh, we haven't posted, maybe we should post, you know, IO logic. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it back and forth and back and forth. Yeah, we really, we, and the, 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 putting those things to clo- so close to each other, like we would do if we were in, in an OO language, you know, where all the logic goes with the, the IO, um, if we want to, to test that, we talked last time about having to mock. We had to mock, mock the database, mock the, mock Twitter. But we wouldn't actually be mocking them in their entirety. We would be mocking specific responses. It's like, uh, what we, you said last time it was like, Twitter response with success, or Twitter, Twitter that fails, or database that works, or database that fails. You know, you have all these different vocabulary words in the mocking world to talk about different situations. Um, Right, because you're trying to test all these branches of execution. So, so you're gonna really you have like three branches of execution. So let's let's take the first case where we got to reach into the database and get the next thing we need to post and the last thing that we that we posted, right? Because we need those bits of information for our Twitter posting problem. And so we reach into the database and. we have a success, right? We, we get those bits back. Great. That's, that's one branch of execution. The next branch of execution, you reach in the database and you get an exception like socket timeout error. Okay. So now you have the exception branch of execution. <laughs> you know, well, what do we do then? <laughs> and then I guess the third branch of execution is you successfully reach into the database and find nothing is there, <laughs> right? Yeah, that's so, true. It really like it 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 really falls apart the farther the more your the farther your logic is the or how far the, how, the longer your algorithm is. That's what I'm trying to say. You know, if you have six steps where you know every even step is I/O and every odd step is is logic, if you want to test that you know step number five of logic, you have to mock you have to mock everything along the way. And so if you right. have ten steps, then you have to mock you you you're 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 mocking your mocking train gets longer and longer and more fragile because then if you need to change step six or change step two, well, every test case that goes through step two has to be updated. You can't test just the logic of step eight by itself. You have to, the, the logic, the test of logic step eight 
involves testing, making sure your logic step two works because otherwise the code doesn't actually get to step eight. You know what I mean? It's like this. Yeah. This. Right. So, so rather. Yes, it it is. It's the brand, this branching factor, right? (laughs) Which, (laughs) which leads to this explosion. And so rather than, you know, question branching, because those of us with a uh, imperative programming background, you know, we take this unquestioned. <laughs> the right thing is, you know, these nested if statements. Well, you know, and and like not to pick on Go, but maybe we'll pick on Go. Like one one of the interesting things in Go is you have these error results, right? And so when when you do an operation, it will come back with like a result or an error. And the idea is it it doesn't use exceptions because it doesn't want that third dimension, if you will, of possibility, you know, true, right. false, or exception. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, it kind of forces you to, to deal with that thing. And, um, but, but the challenge, of course, is it leads to this branching problem because then you need a conditional branch for, okay, if you have an error... Uh, or versus it it working, and then you have however many branches you need based on what you got, and and so y- yes, it gets nested rather quickly. One one approach that I've seen in the past to try to deal with this nesting factor is is I would call it like you know the the happy path, <laughs> the the everything worked out route, and then you throw an exception to kind of abort in the middle, right? Like oh no, I got an error. Throw an exception, just get, just get, so you have like a straight line of logic where, okay, let's fetch this and then we have that thing and let's pass it into the next thing and now we have that thing and let's pass it into the next thing, we have that thing. If anything goes wrong, it'll throw an exception and and then the whole sequence will stop. I don't know. Nate, have you ever yeah. used that or seen that? Well, yeah. So I think that that, that pairs, it's, a, it's kind of another, like you said, that's a third way of, like you have to talk about, you know, there's there's logic where it's like, if if I get a tweet from a da- the database and I need to post, that's one type of branching. But if it's I get the tweet from the database and I try to post and I, there's an error, so there's actually like there's I did nothing and I should have done nothing. I did something and I should have done something, or I did I tried to do something and I and it was an error case. So it's actually like every branch could have three possibilities, not just two. And, right. And yes, I've definitely run into that. Um, it just further like. But then it's like, now you have to mock exceptions. Like, at step four, I need to reach out to Twitter. So, it means my reach out to Twitter is is a, you know, it's got to be an exception one. Um, and, and, well, and, and, we, same, and we all know exceptions are much better at mocking you <laughs> than you are at mocking them. <laughs> right. Yeah, definitely. I was thinking another another way that it kind of runs into problems is if you have, like, uh, like testing exponential back off, like, you know, try... And then wait a second and try wait two seconds try wait four seconds right well what if you want to make sure that you can get to four seconds well now you ha- now you have to have a stateful right. mock so you call it tw- three times and the third time it works but the other two times it doesn't work like now you have you have basically whole object hierarchies that are only <laughs> only in use for your tests and then of course that's more places right. for you to have bugs and you know it just really explodes Right. And so I think for me, the key is to realize that what we're doing is we're actually encoding information in, in like where we're at in time. Right. So, so, so like if you think of nesting, like if you know that if you're on, you know, the true condition of the first if statement and then the false condition of the nested if statement, if you know you're there, 
like you now know some things. Um, like you, you know, the first thing worked and the second thing didn't or whatever, but that's like implicit information by like your position of the flow of control. And so instead of having all this be implicit information, you can lift it up and you can make it explicit information. And, and once it's explicit, then you can start flattening all this stuff out. Yeah, totally. Yeah. If, if all you have is one level of, 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 of detail or data, <laughs> then you only have one level of execution. You don't have five le- or six or eight, you know, one level per each, each conditional. Right. So your exponential backoff thing is a great example. If, if you know you're at this point because there is some sleep timer that ran for two seconds, then that's implicit, right? Like, because you are, you are here because you did X. <laughs> but instead, you, you actually have a data structure that tells you, like, what your sleep timer last was. Or, <laughs> like, you just slept for two seconds. And, and, and now you can just, mo- like, you can just write out, oh, you just slept for 15 seconds. What's your next step? Right. Right. So it's the it's the separating the where I am from what I should do next, which is we, we, we like to tie it together so much. But if you separate those two, then the you know, you can't get away from IO. Like IO has to happen. You know, the sleep for or the reach out to Twitter, it's gotta happen and it's unknown and there's all these but you can at least take the the context out from it and separate right. that. So right. So in an imperative flow you know, a, a do, if you will, <laughs> um, you, by the time you're on line three, like the fact you, you made it to line three means something. And so we want to <laughs> represent that. We want to represent that as positive represented information instead of implicit contextual information. I don't know if I'm making sense. <laughs> so, right. I think, yeah, we should maybe do a little. So I have a crazy idea. Yeah. A crazy idea to, to try on for, for this scenario. So really, I think you really captured it pretty well when you're saying there's sort of this like logic IO, logic IO, logic IO, right? Right. So, so why don't we just capture that pattern with sort of like two different sets of functions and really... Really, we could probably capture it really well with something like a multi-method for each one. Okay, so imagine, if you will, just for the purposes of this crazy, crazy idea, <laughs> let's, have a, let's have a method that's all about like doing one I.O. operation, right? So you pass it a, a, a pure data structure, like a map, and we'll call that a command. And then it's a multi-method, and it dispatches on that command. And then that command is a, a, a an I.O. thing it needs to do, right? So, like, for example... Like, yeah, for example. Fetch DB context is a command. And so, so in your method, so you, you, we have this, uh, let's say it's a map, and then it has, like, the command type. So, we have a key called type. And then it, the multi-method, the command worker, we'll call it worker. <laughs> uh, worker dispatches on that type. And so you write a little function and it's like, okay, I dispatch on fetch DB context. So I'm going to, um, so, so all the resources needed for this, like probably have to be in like a bundle that always gets passed into this command, right? So it's going to, yeah, like it's going to take this or DB. resources, right? Right, right. And so, so 
the the thing that kicks off this whole process, it's going to have like a map of all the resources it needs, the DB handle, the Twitter handle, you know, whatever. And so it's going to call this multi-method. It's going to pass it the bundle resources. It's going to pass it the command. It's going to dispatch on command. It's going to, I'm going to go to the DB. I'm going to fetch the last thing that we posted and I'm going to fetch the next thing that needs to get posted. And uh, that's going to come back with a result and it's just going to return the result done. Right. So, so all these situations like, oh, I need to post to Twitter. Okay. Well, the command is going to be post to Twitter. It's going to have information about posting to Twitter. And all it needs to do is know how to use the handle, post to Twitter, take the result, return it. That's it. So, so now you have this whole little library of actions that can be done. And so each one of those actions, there's no if or, uh, there's no branching inside right. of those functions. They have to just do yeah, it, their job is one job. They do and they return the return the result. Okay, right. They're they're simple little imperative workers, right? You give them one clean, simple little command, go and do, and and they go. Okay, <laughs> my my job is not to question why. Right, <laughs> oh, my man. job is but to do or die, as in throw an exception. <laughs> Oh man, yes, but that's, but it would be better if they don't throw an exception. They should trap it and they should return it as an error, right? Like an error response. Let's yeah, say that, for the that, purposes of this discussion, that is the results. Yes. Okay. Okay. So that's the that's the worker side. You said okay. there's another multi method. Yeah. So that's the the I/O side. Okay. Now let's make another set of multi methods. And what they do is they take a pair of commands. So these are pure. These are these are the aristocracy. They are. They're above the workers. <laughs> okay, this metaphor could get dark quick, so yeah, we'll, just, we'll just leave it there. <laughs> I don't know if we have to get into, into the class struggle. Um. <laughs> so, so we have this uh, pure function, and it takes a command and a result. And, and its one job is to figure out what is the next appropriate action. Wait, which, so, wait, which command does it take? So it takes a command that was run oh, and the result from that command. Oh, okay, right. So for example, we would have a function and we, we could call this the the decider. So we have the worker and the decider. I'm the sure somebody would come up with and much the, better names. And the manager. Oh, sorry. No, the, that, that, the, the that's foreman. <laughs> oh, yeah. Back to the class struggle, right? We can, we can talk about all kinds of offensive words, especially to programmers. <laughs> Yeah, so so we'll, we'll have the worker and the decider, okay? And so then this decider is a multi-method, right? And it dispatches based on, uh, well, probably the simplest one is just command. The, you know? the type but you of could, the command you also? You could have dispatch on a combination of command and some attribute of the result if you wanted to, I suppose. So we'll we'll wave our hands and say it dispatches based on command. And, and, and so then it looks at the output from the uh, get DB context, and it goes, oh, that output was uh, was null. Okay, well, uh, clearly the next thing to do is nothing. <laughs> like it returns nil. There's nothing to do, right? Or it looks at the output and it says, oh, there there's only a scheduled tweet, right? right? There is no tweet that we've posted already. Oh, and look, that scheduled tweet is due. You know, based on based on the time. Yeah. So let's go and and of course maybe time is a thing that gets passed in, 
you know, so we can we can unit test. It needs to be pure. It shouldn't just go ask for time. Yeah, right? I'm a big fan of passing time in. Yeah, right, right. And so so it's like okay, uh, well clearly we need to post. So then it returns a new command, and that new command is uh, you know post to Twitter, and then it fills in the details that it needs based on the result that it got, right? Or it uh. The, the other option is it looks at the DB context and it says, oh, well, we have, uh, it is time to post, so we, but we're not sure if we should post to Twitter yet or not because we, we need to make sure that this hasn't been posted already, right? Right. And so, so let's return a command that's like, um, may, may, maybe post, <laughs> what, what would it be like? Get, would, get yeah. Twitter context. Right. It would right? be like, um, yeah, get get tweets since you know i mean you don't want to make them too general because you don't want to they're they are they are kind of you know they're they are that specific step in the process it's not just get any tweets it's no it's get get tweets so that we can see if we need to repost or not post right so in the command it's going to have to put the the tweet that it might be posting but it's also going to have to be like you know um that's why it's like uh, get get tweet context, <laughs> you know. Get yeah, posting maybe context. Get, get tweet context and uh, Twitter context, right? Tweet context. So then that so returns that command. Great. So then now you go into a function that knows. So you're you're back. It's in your TikTok TikTok. You're back in your worker, right? And so then you you write code in this worker that knows how to run that command and it's like okay i have this command about getting the tweet context i'm going to go to twitter i'm going to get the tweet context and i'm going to return a response right so that response is probably going to um what here's what twitter said and then you're back to the decider the decider's like okay there is a command about getting tweet context in that command it had the 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 po the the um tweet we might be posting right right? yeah and then we have this context of here's what twitter said what should we do oh yeah so it looks like yeah absolutely it's it so then it it would just take the that information and now now it knows it it's got a list of tweets since the last tweet and it's got the tweet it needs to post so it could do its pattern matching or whatever we like we talked about last week and then decide should we post the tweet or not? And then it can hand a post tweet right. command back. Right. Or it, or or it could come back with nil. There's nothing to do, right? And so so the neat thing is you can you develop each of these scenarios and and the deciders are all pure, right? And so you you can test them. Right? You you test all these situations. Right, because right? then 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 testing becomes just a matter of of creating the the data the explicit data, like you just said, you know, five minutes ago, you know, here's where you are in the process. You are at the point where you've gotten the tweets that for context, and here is the tweet you need to tweet. You know, like you're you're telling it where where it is rather than it just right. discovering where it is based on its place in the code. And then you right. can and come up with all the different scenarios that would happen that would be passed to that one that to all the different results that would be passed along with that command. That's and, right. Yeah. Yeah, and I think a couple key footnotes here. So then a result isn't necessarily taking the raw thing you got from Twitter and just spewing it back, 
right? Because that, once again, is going to make it hard to understand. So the idea is you construct a result that just cherry picks out the the bits that They're, matter. That are, that are important and, for the decider to know, right. like that are relevant. Right. And then you can always have like a sub key or a meta metadata, if you will, like closure metadata, that takes the raw thing and just sort of like throws it in the backpack, you know, for reference. <laughs> Because because maybe the outcome is you, well you got an error and so now we just want to we want to have a command like record error and then we just want to take the raw thing and write it down yeah or, or maybe well, what what one example of it would be the the action or the, the the worker dispatch where it's like post the tweet well you want the whole tweet like you want some information but then the action you would want like the decider to decide after. So let's say that the tweet was successfully posted. Well, then it's like, hey, post the tweet and here's the result. The decider would basically then say, all right, take this. And the next command is write it down in my audit log or, or whatever, whatever we ended up calling it. Um, and that would, you don't know what you want to grab out of, the, out of the Twitter response. Like, I think it'd be good to grab all the headers that were, that were returned. That way it's good to have the raw response in there and under some sub key. So that you can put right. it into the command, right? And then and then writing this stuff down is is more of an exercise in generic data handling, where it's like, oh, I have this subtree, we're going to serialize it and write it all down. That's a problem for some other parser in the future to be able to sift through that. But the idea is these results that come back from the workers, well, they they have well known keys, so your decider knows what keys it's operating on. And and then when you are when you are crafting your scenarios in your unit tests, when you're when you're crafting the data in your unit tests, then you you know what keys to test and fill in, right? And then you can spec them or schema them and all that all that fun stuff too. Yeah, absolutely. I think the the one of the real benefits of schema is 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 catching errors, um, like when I put the wrong key name in. But another benefit that I found is when I'm looking at a function, like so, say you're looking at step number six or whatever. That's a pure. That's one part of the decider, and you're like, what on earth is this? You're you're trying to add a feature. It's like, well, what data do I have available to me? You can go look at. You have to go instead of having to go look at whatever worker function result generated this, you can just go look at the spec or the schema and then you can know what the data structure is and you can know it, it, it's, it's a documentation step also, which is yeah, which definitely. Really beneficial. You know what fields are there and, and, and what, what possible types they might be or values they might hold, you know? And okay. And so then what happens is your main, like your main, your main flow of execution turns into this really simple loop right so so when so if you recall this this uh twitter poster the poster child of components <laughs> right. go, go look at the previous episode <laughs> if you want to hear all about the poster child so the poster child's going to wake up and it's going to it's going to want to get some work done and so what you do what you have is you have a loop recur type situation where you start the loop off with a command which is the very first thing to do which is like get db context and so basically the way this loop works is the first thing it does in the loop is, is it just calls the worker with the command, right? In, in a let block, let's say. And then it assigns whatever the worker gave back as a result. The next thing it's going to do is it's going to call decider, right? With the command and the result. And then it's going right. to assign whatever comes back from decider as new command. 
and then it's going to go is new command nil or 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 do i have some like some value in the new command i do oh recur with the new command done right, right. that's your loop yeah and that, that so that's that's the all that you need to stitch the two sides of the the vest together and make it make it a whole a whole a whole bit a whole algorithm <laughs> Right. And so now you go through your scenarios and, and you go, okay, what, what are the different scenarios that are possible? Um, there, there are some downsides to this approach. Um, so so in, in, the, in the branching scenario where you have a nested loop, like you have all these nested ifs, you can kind of see like, oh, maybe here is a case I wasn't covering. Right? So it, it's possible that maybe a worker returns um, a result that a decider doesn't know how to handle, or it's possible that a decider returns a command that a worker, like there's no worker for. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, it ends up being somewhat like a, like a, like a finite state machine where, you know, you have different nodes and some, some nodes are, 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 um, are side effecty, you know, they're workers and some nodes are deciders. And so the, the, the flow of your program is is the is the lines that go between these nodes um, and and when the two sides are are not next to each other are not just inter, interleave shuffled together it's easy to miss you know you could say one line that goes out and says hey get me the Twitter context and there's no worker for that and so I mean we could I mean we could have it so that oh multi-method doesn't multi-method have like a default we can say like if you give me something that oh, dispatches yeah. something that's not there, it can actually error out. Right. Um, or it can actually, I mean, if it's a worker, it could return uh, something that, I mean, we, we can actually make it smarter than just, you know, at that point, log an error. It could do something else. It could actually put something in the database or whatever. Right, right. It could write something down into our outcomes, <laughs> our, our results log or whatever in the DB. <laughs> like, right. oh, this this uh, un, unhandled command or whatever. But yeah, I think if the deciders essentially dispatch on the command that was run and the workers dispatch on the command that was run, it makes it pretty easy to just walk down through and you have your worker decider, worker decider pairs. You know, and then within the decider, you can use like cond or something like that to handle the the different cases, and then and then you kind of know like it's gonna all get handled here, right? So it, it gives you a little bit of flat branching inside the decider. Right. the The idea is to get out of this if and an if and an if <laughs> type situation. Right. Right. Because then oh that that doesn't what. Oh, I was going to say, and you know what's really good for finding uncovered cases? Unit tests. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which brings us full circle back to where we started, right? Like, you actually have more unit testability in finding those uncovered cases because you go through, like, it, you're, you test out all your decider logic with unit tests, right? So right. then, And it's flat. So, it's very flat. And so then, um, I how would... I don't know, Nate, how would you go about testing all the workers? Because they're not they're not so unit testable, right? So so we've reduced the ugly, messy, side effecty part way down. So but how would well, how would you test the workers? Yeah, I mean I, I think all of the workers, like I said a, a while ago, like I, I noticed that none of the workers have um have any logic in them. 
all the worker does is you say, give me the Twitter context. And all it does is translate that into, here's a Twitter uh, request. And then it takes the result and and it gives it back to you with some small amount of translation. Well, Um, and even that transform could be a little pure function that it calls, right? If you wanted to lift that out. Yeah. yeah. And so the, the, the bulk of the logic in there is actually, is actually, you know, the Twitter handle code or it's the database handle code. And so in my opinion, you don't need to test it. You, you test it once, you make sure that it works that, you know, that you're not misspelling the, you know, the, the Mongo query name or the, the Twitter API function name. Right. But once it's done, you know, it's either going to work or not. It's, and if it doesn't work, it's going to I mean, you wrap it in a try catch block so that you can return the, an exception, but you don't need to continuously test that. That's not your application's logic. It's not your responsibility to test someone else's code. Sure. So after after you've made it through the function once, you you basically like it's tested. Um, you do have to deal with what all the different possibilities the API give you. But once again, like you said, you're not handling all those possibilities in the worker. The worker's job is to just be super simple. Go do the side effect, get the thing back, pass it back, right, and then yeah. and then possibly a, apply. Uh, some other pure transform to it on the way back. I suppose yeah, the decider absolutely. could apply the pure transform if they wanted to, if you wanted to keep it anyway. I like, yeah. I like I like the worker doing the transform because then it keeps the the messy land of Twitter or the database in somewhere that's like the decider should get you know right. nice high class right. data structures you know refined. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes, a a, con- but, a convenient truth, a convenient lie. <laughs> right, but but what but what you you're asking about testing the side effects does bring to mind the idea of so you know once we make sure that this component works at the at the at the component level, like all all the the pure logic inside of the Twitter poster, um, there is something to be said for when you, when you when you step back and you, you I want to I want to work on the whole application. I want to work on the UI. I want to add tweets and I want to see if they get posted and that kind of stuff. There is the idea of we want to be able to test from all the way, not just unit tests. This is like integration tests. We want to go all the way from the top to the bottom. Um, especially cuz when you're doing UI programming, <laughs> you end up doing things again and again and again because you're trying to get it right. Right. It's very well. Yeah. There's there's definitely like there's two sides to the UI programming, at least for me. One is I'm trying to get a feel for what the right interaction is. So I'm playing around with different ways of interacting. Right. And so I want to actually right. be able to click on stuff. I I, I want to you know I want to try making a tweet you know to post and I I want to hit save and I want to see it show up in the list of scheduled tweets like like I want to I want to feel those interactions and of course there's like writing code to make it work and and so while I'm while I'm while I'm making these tweets to schedule and all this like I don't want it to actually go write stuff out to Twitter <laughs> but I but I I would like to see what the UI does when this thing disappear like when this thing does get posted like does it disappear out of the list do, you know do do uh sparkles and stars like shower you know out of the line as it fades <laughs> oh know? man yeah I, if i had a penny for every time someone asked for sparkles um i'd have at least a penny um yeah, yeah totally 
Yeah, I and think- so so there's there's you don't want it to go mess with Twitter in that in that case directly, right? That it would be nice to have have a way of having it not hit Twitter for that for the, for the rest of the application's sake. Yes. Yeah. I think that sounds like a good topic for for next time because we're oh look at the time. <laughs> yes, we 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 our our episode runneth over. Um, <laughs> yes, it does. All right, so uh, let's let's do real quick. Go to the message queue. Um, we got uh, one email this week. Orlando emailed in wondering if we post the code we talk about in our episodes. Well, Orlando, we would uh, we we have we have we have received several requests for code, um, and and we have done some posting in the past. Uh, we basically post uh, in the show notes, um, and I think the the last series, the one we did on time tracking, has a good is a good example of you know nice full code examples. Um, this this one this this year we're talking about things at a little higher level, so um, the code is a little more in our heads and in your heads. Um, but that being said, there are people that have created code that is inspired by our episodes. So um, if you uh, or anyone else uh, has code or wants to try um, writing code, uh, please send us links to your GitHub's or to your Maria.cloud links, uh, and we'll add it to our website. Yeah, definitely. We love to hear from you. We love if you have written some code inspired by the episode. We've gotten some links, and I think uh, we need to post some of those links on the actual website. I don't know if we've done that yet. We've talked about them, but yeah, we should go back and post them. So send us your code links, and we can share it around so other people can benefit from that too. That would be fantastic. Yeah. And in general, we love hearing from you. Thank you so much for those of you who have written us in, um, written into us, <laughs> but you could write us in for mayor or something if you wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, send us your questions or comments. You can reach us via email at feedback at closuredesign.club or on Twitter at Closure Design. Also, we're available to work on your closure project. So if you would like our help on your project, send us an email about that too. Yeah, definitely. We can find you can find our past show notes and episodes on the web at closuredesign.club. And hopefully they will have more links to code. <laughs> <laughs> yes, definitely. All right, we'll be back next week. Until then, keep in mind that simple commands get results. Mm-hmm.